Hello and welcome. I'm Uri. And I'm Rifki, and you're listening to Talking Tachlis, the podcast where we talk about Jewish life and life in general. So, Rifki, more uh, Holocaust anti-Semitism in the news, probably on a number of fronts, but one thing was the Whoopi Goldberg uh, controversy. Did you see that? Yeah, the, it's funny. It's like we're still very much in the middle of it, but uh, it feels like it feels like it's been happening for days. But I think it just was yesterday. Is that right? I think so. Well, they were talking on the View, responding to the fact that the graphic novel Mouse was banned in like a Tennessee school district. And in mm-hmm. that discussion, Whoopi Goldberg said that the Holocaust was not racially motivated because it was a crime committed by one group of white people to another group of white people, and a right. lot, lot of Jews were very upset about that. Yeah. And then so that was that was, I think, yesterday. That was Monday on The View. And then a few hours later, she was on Stephen Colbert talking about it, Mm -hmm. which did not go as well, I think, as she intended to. And then now today on The View, she discussed it again. So we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we can make this a longer conversation. But um, Whoopi Goldberg. It's also great because like her name is Whoopi Goldberg. Her dad isn't Jewish, is he? uh, Not as far as I know. Uh huh. I wonder how she ended up with that name. Well, also, if you're going to do this, then let's be truthful about it, because the Holocaust isn't about race. No. No, it's not about race. No, it's about a different race. But it's it's not about race. It's not about race. What is it about? Because it's about man's inhumanity to man. That's what it's about. But it's about white supremacy. It's well, about but going it's not, after it's not about and, ideal and race. It's, it's, but these are two Romans. white groups of people. Well, how do we have to black people see too. them as white people? And they, but you're missing the point. You're yeah. missing the point. Yeah. The minute you turn it into race, it goes down this alley. Let's talk about it for what it is. It's how people treat each other. I think the, the reason I think it's not just like, oh, Whoopi Goldberg, you're being silly, is because... Race is a complicated word, right? As we've, we've, we've talked about, you know, many times before. Um, so I think it is an interesting kind of deeper conversation. Yeah, definitely up our alley. But for this week, we're going to change gears and talk about something else that is also up our alley, but different from the anti-Semitism stuff. Yes, exactly. So Uri, I'm not sure about you, but um, considering I'm 34 years old, it should be embarrassing, but I'm not embarrassed. I'm hugely into TikTok. I spend mm. unnecessary time on it. As we talked about... I also am way too deep into Twitter, which, and just like Twitter, right, they're both kind of ways for me to keep my finger on the pulse of the culture around me in some ways. But unlike Twitter, uh, it's actually fun and it doesn't induce incredible stress and anxiety in me. So I actually really prefer TikTok. Um, So maybe you listening, hearing TikTok might already know where we're going. Uh, But there's this creator on TikTok, which just means she makes videos, but creator is now the term that we use. Uh, her name is Miriam Anzavin. She's a 36-year-old content producer for JewishBoston.com. Who, and she, like many of our friends and peers and people listening probably, spends time every day learning a page of Talmud. This daily activity is known as Daf Yomi, which translates to a page a day. However, Anzavin doesn't just learn the daf. She actually has this sort of semi-viral TikTok account in which she shares reflections on the daily daf. I think she actually doesn't do videos every day, but she does it many days. Mm-hmm. And Anzavin's videos are very different than most daf yomi videos or podcasts that you might have kind of engaged with. They're really fun. They're totally irreverent. And they're not educational in traditional sense. She's not a teacher. She really is just someone who's learning the daf and shares some thoughts about them. And here's a clip to show you what we mean. 
Shalom friends, welcome to Daf Reactions, Moet Katan 9. I am recording today from my makeup table in honor of Rav Chista. Yes, I am now a Rav Chista stan, ride or die. Let me tell you why. So in the Daf, the Mishnah is discussing what types of glam routines are permitted on Chalamoet. Rav Chista's wife would absolutely put on makeup during this time, but he had a frenemy, Rav Huna Bar who had the unmitigated chutzpah to sit down next to him and say, you know, only young women are allowed to put on makeup during Cholomoed. It's not for old women, like your wife. Do you see my eye twitching? Now friends, I immediately put Rav Huna Barchinana's name in my burn book, obviously. But so did Rav Chista. He said, and I am barely paraphrasing, Oh my God, what the actual fuck is wrong with you, you misogynistic, ageist dipshit. Even your mother and your mother's mother, even a woman standing at the edge of her grave. If she wants to put on makeup, she can. If a woman feels joy in putting on makeup, it doesn't matter one iota how old they are, how dare you? People, I'm Kvelling. I'm Miriam, here in 2022. And I'm Kvelling over the actions of a man who died in 320 CE. That's the power of Dafyomi. What a fucking legend. So naturally, these videos have created a stir. Some in the Jewish community are obsessed. They argue that Anzavin is approaching Torah in a fresh and exciting new way that appeals to different people. And others argue that her videos are just not appropriate. They're not as reverent as they should be, considering Torah, we believe, is a, a spiritual and holy calling. She uses curse words. She makes fun of the rabbis. It's just like, it's it's... Yeah, it's definitely not what you kind of grew up with in a, in a Jewish environment. So, Uri, what's your take on this? Is this a new groundbreaking way to engage people with Torah? Or is this really just brazenly inappropriate? Is there sexism involved here? You know, people listening can't tell, but this is a young blonde woman. She has beautiful makeup done. Her nails are always perfect. She definitely is not what you think of as a traditional Talmud teacher. Is there a level of appropriateness, quote unquote, that we are supposed to be modeling when we're involved in Torah at all? What, what do you think, Uri? I think it's really interesting. I think this phenomenon is pretty intriguing. There's a lot to think about, and it really touches on so many different elements in Jewish life and thought. I've seen um, like debates, arguments on Facebook that are like 150, 250 comments long um, about her, about these videos, just in the last couple of weeks. And um, some of it's predictable, and some of it was more interesting to me to see. I'm still figuring out what I think about it. The cursing, the quote, um, quote unquote appropriateness, doesn't really bother me that much. I'm not particularly offended by these videos, but at the same time, I'm very curious like what her motivation is, what she's trying to do with them, what she would consider a success in terms of the um, reactions and the audience and the reception of these videos. And, you know, getting to the perpetual question of is it good for the Jews or not good for the Jews? Um, I'm not so sure. Uh, what do you think, Rifki? So it's an interesting question, kind of what goals would be, right? Like what what her goals would be uh, as someone who's sharing content and what our goals would be as people who presumably care about Torah, right? Because you almost have conflicting goals, right? There are There's the goal of literally just people watching it and liking it and maybe learning more Talmud as a result, right? These are all sort of, uh, I think, fine and admirable goals. But then there's the fundamental goal 
of Torah. And that's something that I think of in many ways, the fundamental goal of Torah, which is to love and have a deeper relationship with religion and with God that Mm -hmm. comes out of it. And I I don't actually know if that's Miriam Anzavin's goal. I mean, I I don't think it is her goal. Like, I I don't, she she calls herself an atheist. Right, right off the bat, there's an article that she wrote, and she wrote it two years ago on, I think, the second day of the new Dafyomi cycle, as she writes in the article. And the title of the article, which I assume she either wrote or at least approved of, is An Atheist Does Dafyomi. And she talks about her atheism in the article, and she says she does it to come in her way of combating anti-Semitism, and she calls it like an F.U. to anti-Semites, that she wants to be more engaged in her Judaism to show that the Jews aren't going anywhere, but it definitely would not be the way you just described of connecting to God if she doesn't believe in God. I, I think those two are mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's true. So I guess to me, it's really hard to say, but I think many of the people who I think are really feeling stuck about this and just cannot understand and cannot get behind someone teaching quote unquote Torah in this way. I think that those people honestly are kind of like stuck in the past in some ways, right? If you're trying to engage and maybe I find it a little bit off putting also, because I think in some ways I'm like a deeply traditional person. If if you think that the only way to teach Torah is with people who are much more formal in you know certain aspects and who don't curse and whatever, like okay, that might be great. But tachlis, what are you going to do? Do you want to actually lose out on people who might be tempted to understand and learn more Torah and all of these things because you don't think that the kind of like casing is appropriate? Right. And so, uh, yeah. what is objective appropriateness and not appropriateness anyway? Like, these are not curse words that are determined by God. These are not curse words that are determined by halacha. Like, I'm not sure what, like, what, what why is that kind of the, the be all and end all right. here? There's a lot going on here. And I think the only way to start, like, understanding it is to, like, try to peel back some of the layers and to try to mm-hmm. isolate some of the variables. So, you know, in no particular order, you asked in the introduction, is it sexist? So, clearly, mm-hmm. gender is at play here. So the question is like if there was a if there was a man saying the exact same content that Miriam is saying, A would it be interesting? B would it be problematic? Would people be upset? Would people care? Would anybody even be watching it? I don't know for sure what the answers are to those questions. Well, there are men who have done similar things. And I've seen a lot on social media. Well, of course, we can include links, but there are men who have done YouTube videos. And um, I've also seen actually um, a friend of mine had a a TikTok account, actually, where I don't think it really went anywhere. So I think he kind of stopped. But he was also doing these kind of like irreverent, funny, like using TikTok uh, trends, but doing it in like a Torah style, which are also like, quote unquote, inappropriate. And I definitely think that part of why the question of why she went viral and none of these did, I do think that part of it is the shock of seeing this like young, beautiful, not traditional rabbinic well, looking person teaching Torah. And there are other people, right? There's a There, there are female Dafyomi teachers who are podcasts. And she even talks about uh, in an article where she was interviewed, I think it was in the forward, where she talks about that part of her schedule of the day is that she wakes up and as she's putting on her makeup, she starts with listening to Rabbi Michelle Farber's Daf Yomi podcast, and then she reads more on uh, my Jewish learning, and then she, like she she uses Faria. I mean, she's she's right. using well, all much more mainstream, of... quote unquote, traditional things. Right. But she is very, I think, like shocking to people because she so doesn't look the part. 
And I think that's part of the appeal and also is part of what makes people a little uncomfortable. It's interesting that she seems to definitely, first of all, I'm sure she's very intelligent, but she's definitely learning it in a more traditional, straightforward way and then presenting it in a not straightforward way. You keep saying she's teaching Torah. I really don't think what she's doing is can be called teaching Torah in any fair sense of the word. She's making, you know, 90 second videos and she's basically just plucking out the most salacious, um, juicy parts yeah. of the Gemara, which are very much not representative of what Gemara is. There are obviously lots of juicy things in the Gemara and, and problematic things and whatever, but that def- that definitely I don't think represents um, what teaching Gemara would be. And I also just want to say in terms of like her appearance and the, the that element of it, you know, there was an, a, there've been a bunch of articles about her in the last week or two. And so there was one in the forward, which was overall a very complimentary article, like basically um, praising her and saying that she's doing this really interesting, cool thing. But even the forward article talks about her coquettish affect. And uh, I'll admit, I had to look that word up. I thought I knew what it meant, but <laughs> it means flirtatious. Like, so she, she's not just a woman who is teaching Torah. Like, it's very unfair to describe it that way. I'm not saying it's wrong what she's doing, but if that's not an accurate description. She is presenting juicy elements from the Gemara in a coquettish affect. That is, I think, a more accurate description of what she is doing. And I also think if her goal is to promote Torah and Dafyomi, which it seems to be, I don't think she's purposely trying to make Torah look bad. She's not, she does criticize, but she's, I don't think that's her ultimate goal. But if that's the case, the fact that she plucks out, like I said, the juiciest and most controversial and questionable pieces from the Dafyomi, I don't know. Either people are going to get, I would think, turned off and like, wow, why would I want to learn Gemara? Or they'll be turned on and be like, wow, that sounds really interesting. I didn't know Gemara was so interesting and juicy. Let me open it up. And they're going to be very disappointed when they actually read through it and see what 95% of the Gemara actually looks like. So that's what gets back to my question. Like, I'm just very curious. Maybe it's not super thought out, and that's okay. She doesn't have to have a, a manifesto of what she's going for when she decides to post videos. It's only been actually a few weeks that she's been posting these. She says that she's been learning. I mean, she wrote that article two years ago, so it seems like she's been doing Dafiomi every day for two years, mm-hmm. but these videos have only been for a few weeks. So I'm actually curious if it's if she's going to continue doing in the future, and what is she going to do when she's in like tractates that don't really have juicy stuff in them and there are plenty of those out there well let me ask you Rifki do you think this is a positive way as somebody who values Torah and Torah learning um, in an open-minded way which I think you do um, do you see this as a positive contribution or as something that is going to motivate people to want to learn more and explore more Torah I would think so I don't really know Right. I don't really know like what ends up happening with people. Like, I, I'm not sh- convinced that you know necessarily people are going to be more likely to open up a Gemara the next day. Mm-hmm. But I do think it is it, it, if the vibe feels very positive. She's very explicit that she's approaching this with love. Mm-hmm. It's not the again. It's not the way that I think we normally think of learning Torah. But it's clear that she has an affection for the text. This isn't like she's devoting, you know, a significant portion of her day to, and it's a seven and a half year cycle. She's got to really, you know, commit herself to this. Um, So the idea that she is, she's really loving towards this text, I think is a really wonderful thing to see, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm not, 
sure that people watching it are going to be like, ah, now I want to go on Safaria and I want to open up the DAF that we're up to and I want to like start doing DAF Yomi. I'm not convinced that they do. I can tell you just from, from my experience, I am in a WhatsApp group with um, just women where many of the people are doing Dafyomi and many of the people aren't like me. I'm not doing Dafyomi, but I like to read the reflections every day. Different people share different reflections on today's staff. Like here's a thought, here's something that jumped out at me. Here's something I thought was interesting. Here's something I found troubling, you know, and there's often like a mini discussion. I find it really nice. Many of her videos have been posted with like a real sense of like, hey, this is like empowering. Like Mm -hmm. there's something exciting about that, about like knowing that these videos are there and that people who are a little bit different are also fully engaging with this. You know, in this group that I'm in, not everyone is observant. Not everyone is traditionally observant, certainly. And there's something really empowering about that of saying like, I want to be in the conversation too. This is not reserved just for people who teach at Frisch after they got their smicha from this place and taught in the right. Like that's not what this is about. It's just about learning Torah. Yeah. You know, and there's something really kind of beautiful about that. Yeah, Rifki, I, I totally hear that. Um, and it's that sort of reminds me of this article that was posted today on HeyAlma.com, where the title of the article is, A woman went viral on TikTok for talking about Talmud. Then came the critics. And the subtitle is, Miriam Anzavin's critics cannot see past her hair color, feminine way of speaking, and winged eyeliner. And that's a shame. So, I mean... <laughs> that feminine way of speaking goes to uh, a coquettish <laughs> with the way that she's approaching this do you think that she would be these words are tough but like quote unquote effective as a quote unquote teacher if she were using a different voice like it feels like the vo- voice is part of her part of the content right she's the same way but, the makeup is part yeah, of the listen, content that's she's why trying I, to that's do why this. I pushed back before when you said she's teaching Torah that's a, she's relating stories from the Gemara I don't think she's teaching Torah I'm not and again that doesn't mean what she's doing is is bad is terrible it is what it is right. and, it, and it, it could have value but to you know te- I would call teaching Torah there's a so why isn't it bar. teaching Torah what is teaching Torah so I mean so that's a combination of her tone and her presentation but even less even more than that is the content meaning I think this content if said in a straightforward manner by her or by a man or by anyone would not is is like very much not substantive some of it is um, there are pieces of substance like that clip that we played it's a it's a it kind of has a little bit of everything in it it it's like she has her cursing and her um you know flirtatiousness whatever but it's an interesting story that actually has a lesson and she brings out like a modern um, takeaway from that story, which I think is perfectly legitimate, and and the Gemara really has everything in it. So the Gemara has feminism mm-hmm. in it, and it has misogyny in it. That was a story that was a little bit more on the feminist side, and that's great. I feel like I cut you off before, though, about the the Heyama thing. I'm sorry. What were you saying before about it? Well, I was just going to point out that I I think that's a perfectly legitimate take to be like, this woman is just trying to make these interesting videos that she's working really hard on and and bring across, you know, Jewish learning. And so many people are just hating on her because she's a woman and she wears makeup. And there's some, I think there might be something to that. I'm not saying that's completely off point. But what's annoying to me about that take is that it feels very dismissive of any criticism of her because it's it's it feels to me that the author is just dismissing everything as sexism and not considering any of the criticism to be legitimate. But what's interesting is the person, the woman who wrote that article says herself in the article that she 
can't read a page of Gemara. She has very little familiarity with Talmud. And this is her take on it, which she's allowed to have an opinion for sure. But I just think it you need to be, or she should be, respectful of people who have, of Jews, who have a very deep and personal and sentimental connection to Jewish texts and to Gemara specifically, and who take this these things very personally. And so somebody like that who sees these videos might be offended. And if they are offended, I don't think it's fair to say that they're just a sexist and a misogynist and end of story. Let's let's not take their criticism seriously because, you know what I mean? They're just hating her because she's a woman. But the, the, I mean, the claim of the Hayama article is not that they're just hating her because she's a woman. The claim is that there are very specific pieces of criticism that people, especially on social media, are using, right? And those criticisms are specifically related to her gender. I'll, I'll, I'll read some of the examples in the Hayama article. There's a, there was a comment that said, this is why women aren't allowed to teach Gemara. Yeah, no, the, she's bringing uh, the ones that, that, about women, but that doesn't mean that all the criticisms are about the fact she's a woman. People who have a problem with the cursing. But she didn't has, say that all of the pieces of criticism that's, I thought that's what women. you just said. She's talking. She has a problem with the, with the specific criticisms that are f- feminine related, but the ones that have not... I, I interpreted what she's saying yeah. is that people are hating on her because she's a woman, whether they say it in those words or not. Y- you didn't read it that way? That's not how I saw it. But, okay. you know, of course, as anyway, always, we'll the include, the, include the link to the article. No, but I think that is the point, meaning there are people who are engaging with her wholly on the substance and don't know, don't care that she's a woman. And I totally oh, agree okay, with that. So and I you think that that's, that's more, fine. That's all I was putting, putting out there. Of course. I, what do you mean? Of course. I, I don't think it's so obvious. I don't think it's so obvious. I think this woman who wrote this article in Alma gave the impression that she she thinks the criticism is majority, if not completely, because Miriam is a woman. I thought that was clear. All right. I mean, I, that if that's anyway, that's not the not, way I interpret right, it. Not so if that's important. actually what she's saying, then I disagree. I do think that there are a lot of people who are seeing it that way, and I do think that gender is um, often an unconscious way that people are seeing this in general. But it's not just gender, right? It's like yes, she is this like kind of. Um, She's using a very specific voice and she's created this little persona. Who knows what she's like in real life, right? But she, this is part of her, the persona, mm-hmm. I think, purposely meant to be a little bit provocative, meant to like be like, oh, interesting to people. It's not what I expected. But in the same way, right, if a man who doesn't have a Jewish education background is not wearing a yarmulke, is explicitly atheist, is making videos about Daf Yomi totally irreverently, using inappropriate language, blah, 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 I do think that there would be plenty of people who would be uncomfortable with that. And the example that I keep thinking about is the podcast by, do you know the tablet podcast about the DAF? I haven't listened to it, but I know about it. Yeah. So I've listened to a few episodes and it's, some of the people are totally religious, have a strong background, have a strong Talmud background, and plenty of the people are not, including, by the way, Leah Leibowitz, who is the host of Take One, which is the daily DAF Yomi Talmud podcast. I don't know if Leah Leibowitz calls himself religious, not religious, how he affiliates in whatever way. And like, honestly, it's none of my business, but I haven't seen any criticism of him. He's incredibly irreverent. He uses very colorful language mm-hmm. constantly. He has a very different take than the traditional, you know, Dafiomi podcast. Right. Okay, I wonder how many downloads he gets and I wonder if his numbers, how his numbers compare to hers. I'd be curious. 
because that gets back to like a is it would it be problematic if it was a man and also b would people even be talking about it would it be getting attention and an audience if it was a man mm-hmm. that's like a question mm-hmm. I, what it also makes me think about is so this this stuff Yomi cycle started about two years ago so the one before that started about nine and a half years ago and so I actually started doing Dafyomi that that time on that that beginning of that cycle and I did it for about mm-hmm. a year and it's hard it's very hard to keep up with and yeah. you know, if, if Miriam's videos are 90 seconds and and that's not giving a fair overview of, of the daf obviously you know an hour sheer barely covers it I was I mean yeah. I learned a lot of Gemara in in elementary school high school I learned in yeshiva for two years and I can barely keep up with an hour daf yomi sheer so it's a lot but my after doing it for a year um, and then I ended up stopping. But my takeaway was like, you know, Brachot is the first um, Masechet tractate in the Daf Yomi. Mm-hmm. And there's a, it's like an interesting one to start with, a lot of because there's a lot of juicy, interesting stuff. And there's really, there are a lot of stories and there's a lot of like really, really crazy stuff in there. Like some of it I had known before and seen <laughs> before, a lot of it I hadn't. And... One of the takeaways, I, I made a seum on it um, when, I, when I finished it, and I was sort of emotional like when I was thinking about it because almost mm. like protective. Like I had this feeling that like I understood then why people, people were actually upset about, I mean, this, this, this type of story goes way, way back to translating the Torah and Tanakh into Greek and how that was really controversial. Mm-hmm. And um, when Art Scroll came out with a translation into English of the Gemara, that was controversial also. And one of the reasons is because there are people who say Gemara learning shouldn't be for everyone because A, maybe it's too difficult, but B, like there are a lot of things that, that can be taken out of context and that can be used to criticize or to, you know, to harm the Jews, basically. And that has been done historically. And, mm-hmm. you know, and not to turn this into a sheer, but like that also gets into some stories in the Gemara that Miriam actually references. Um, there are multiple stories in the Gemara that touch on this type of thing where like one school of thought was wanted to be very closed and like the, the academy, mm-hmm. the Beit Midrash was only for mm-hmm. like the super intellectual genius Ivory people. Tower. Right, exactly. Or also that Torah learning was only for people with impeccable character who were complete models of piety in every way. And then the other school of thought that in, in most of the stories of the Gemara kind of wins out, um, or you sim- you're meant to sympathize with, I think, was that like Rabbi Lazar ben took over for Rabban Gamliel and he opened up the doors of the academy and he right. let in like this, like 500 new benches, 700 benches where people, uh, the masses basically, were allowed to learn Torah. And like that's sort of what mm-hmm. Miriam is trying to do. And like there's something very beautiful about that and, and very modern also to, to think that way. However, there's that other side where people have been hesitant for, for a long time to just open it up to everybody because it could be taken out of context. And when I finished learning Brachot, that was sort of like my reaction. It was like, there's a lot of like weird stuff in there. And there's a lot of stuff that like bothered me or made me like question certain things or like question what, like, what is the Gemara trying to say there or what am I supposed to take away from that? But my, ta- mm-hmm. my overall takeaway was like, if you learn the whole thing and you do it in good faith, you see that like this is a, an amazing text and has amazing lessons. It, it, I think, would make somebody a better person if they learn it and try to emulate the people in it, even though the people in it sometimes do things that are weird and questionable. But that, I think, is what bothers me. If anything bothers me, I'm not even sure. But if something bothers me about what Miriam is doing, it's the fact that she is plucking out, like I sort of said already, plucking out these only those juicy, controversial, questionable, offensive pieces, pretty much. 
Um, the story about the makeup is is not that really because that's like a nice story and a nice lesson. But mm-hmm. like she talks a lot about demons. She talks about mm-hmm. wasps stinging a guy on the penis, you know, and like th- those weird things that like what is going on. And mm-hmm. that's a fair question. It's and it's true that to say, hey, that's in the Gemara. Let's not ignore it and maybe let's talk about it. But if that's all you talk about, and somebody who doesn't know anything about, about Gemara sees those videos and that's all they see, I just think that might be a problem on some level. And as long as to do with her being a woman, again, that's you know completely unrelated to that, I think. Uri, I think you made a very, very compelling point. <laughs> Sorry for the long that's speech. That's all I have to say. Okay. Oh my God, not enough long speeches from you. That's okay. always what I think. Mm-hmm. That's the number one feedback we get at Talking Talkless. All right, I'll work on that. <laughs> All right. Well, as always, the conversation does not end with us. Please join the conversation on our Facebook page, Talking Tachas Podcast, and send us an email, talkingtachaspodcast at gmail.com. Let us know if you've decided to learn more Torah because of these videos, because I really, really am curious about that. I think it's a really important question. Thanks, as always, to Drive-In Productions. They are the sponsor of this week's episode. And thank you to Triple Threat Trio featuring Rage Brigade. They are the official band of Talking Tachas. Bye, everyone. Zagasund. Zagasund.